Well, let's turn our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And as we're turning in our Bibles, a reminder, an announcement that the Pinewood Derby, the Cadet Pinewood Derby, is this Wednesday at 6.30, so it's right after the church supper. So come to the church supper and then come to the Pinewood Derby. They work perfectly together. Again, the Cadet Pinewood Derby this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Well, tonight we continue in our series, The Fruit of the Spirit, and we look particularly at the fruit of patience. And we'll be reading verses 22 through 25, and if you have a study guide with you, there is several other texts that we will be referencing tonight. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask as we study your Word tonight that you would bless our hearing, that you would bless our reasoning, and that you would apply it to our hearts and to our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How's your patience? Doing well? Are you a patient person? Everybody's silent. Patience. It's often something I hear a lot where people say they are not good at being patient. Maybe it's the modern dilemma. I don't think it is. I think it's always been a problem, this idea of patience. And I believe that the biblical definition of, of patience will demonstrate how little patience we truly have. And so I want to read a few references of definition of patience. Not from Webster's. These are biblical definitions from Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, the New Bible Dictionary, and from a preacher named Tim Keller in a commentary on the book of Galatians. Patience is said to be an active endurance of opposition, not a passive resignation. Patience is endurance, steadfastness, long-suffering, and forbearance. How well are you doing? I mean, we have a hard enough time being patient with our kids. They're not opposing us, right? Or our grandkids. But we see very clearly here that we are to be patient when people oppose us, and it's not a passive resignation. The next, in the New Bible Dictionary. Biblical patience is a God-exercised or God-given restraint in face of opposition or oppression. It is not passivity. You hear they are 
speaking very similar, but here in the New Bible Dictionary, it is very clear to emphasize that it is a God-exercised or God-given fruit in the life of the believer. And Timothy Keller explains patience this way. An ability to face trouble without blowing up or hitting out. Anyone struggle with that today? Or yesterday? Or, or this week sometime? It is opposite. Its opposite is resentment towards God and others. And its counterfeits are cynicism or a lack of care. Or the phrase, this is too small to care about. Now those, I think those definitions do help us as we go into this subject of patience and how little patience I truly have. Now, I mentioned myself. I think it would be all good to speak to ourselves, wouldn't it? How little patience I truly have. And as we enter this word, I think one of the prayers that I have is, Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to manifest this level of patience in my life. So as we look at this subject of patience or the fruit of patience, it's separated into two parts in the message. The first is the patience of God, and the second is the patience in the lives of, of, of patience in the lives of God's people. But let's look at the patience of God. And particularly, wanting to go to that text of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 16, where, where Nehemiah speaks of God's slow to anger. If you want to reference that, I'll just read it. Now, he's, he's again going back to the wilderness wanderings. He's looking back as he's encouraging the saints of his generation, the post-exilic generation. But they, our forefathers, became arrogant and stiff-necked and did not obey, our, obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked in their rebellion, appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Or when, you, when they committed awful blasphemies, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the desert. By day, the pillar of cloud did not cease to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the desert. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. God himself is patient, isn't he? Patient with his stiff-necked and rebellious people. Patient with me. 
patient with you. Patient when you blow it with your kids. Because you know you all have. Patient. And when he's praying, he, he references where Aaron himself made a golden calf. And remember, he said it just jumped out of the fire? It's a horrible sin. I don't know why Aaron didn't die at that very moment, but he didn't, did he? Nehemiah is saying, God is so patient. God is so gracious to us, his people. Especially when we recall our failures. When we recall our sins, we see a God who is patient. Always with us, present. And we give God, glory to God for that. You can see really why God wants you to be patient and me to be patient, can't you? It's a beautiful attribute, isn't it? God's patience, this critical attribute of God himself. Don't you, we, all, we all want to be more patient, don't we? Maybe some of you don't, but I hope you would. Don't we all want to be more patient with those around us? with those that might oppose us at work or maybe that, late, that neighbor that can't stand your guts. This is a beautiful attribute, isn't it? A, a wonderful expression of God's grace in us to others. It's beautiful, isn't it? And yet you know something about yourself, don't you? I'm not that. I still lack that. I need more of that. I, I want more of that beauty in me, that beauty that God has. But where is God? Where does he manifest himself right now in your life? Where is he? He indwells you, doesn't he? he he's in you. And I believe that the, God, the Holy Spirit, delights to manifest this fruit in the lives of believers in your life. God is a God that loves to give good gifts to his children, does he not? And that's why we're here, because he's given us the wondrous gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Knowing that he can give us this beautiful gift of patience, the patience that God has. And, and God's patience, his beautiful patience, is truly a call to repentance, isn't it? I go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Some of you here, you know how patient God was with you, don't you? When you look back at your past, why didn't I die then? Why didn't I perish at that time? When I was a thousand miles from God. But God was patient, was he? wasn't he, with you? Some of us have always believed since we were little kids, right? We've always trusted Jesus. But some of us, have, you know, you know who you are. Oh, we were stiff-necked and rebellious and a long ways away from God and 
Yet God was patient, wasn't he? And right now, there's someone you love desperately that you, you hope that God's patience would be upon them so that they would come to repentance. It's re really a beautiful reality about God, this idea of patience, to call us to repentance. Again, a little later on in 2 Peter 3.15, the Apostle Peter writes, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. His patience means salvation. Now here we have in God's word, which is given to us by the Spirit, a word that's for our instruction that we might be patient with those in our family that we love. I come from a family, many of you know, the whole side of my family are non-believers, unbelievers, and I've seen no fruit of repentance in the last 30 years. Some of you know the story. I'm not the only one, but I'm glad God, God is patient to those he calls. And it gives me comfort to continue to pray and to continue to hope because the God I serve is a God who's patient. And he will call in his elect at that right and perfect time. I'm glad he was patient with me. Aren't you glad he's been patient with you? Calling you and I to repentance. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Let's look at the patience in the lives of God's people. I've already referenced it, but patience is that we find in Scripture, that we see in the definitions, that we clearly see in the fruit of the Spirit, is patience. It's supernaturally given. It's given by the Holy Spirit. And I think that is important for us to say. It's not something you can merely cultivate. It's something that he gives. Now, God uses means in order to, to increase our patience, and we'll be looking at several of those this evening. But first and foremost, patience is supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit. Patience is also, well, it's produced through suffering. Most of us don't like to suffer, do we? Some of you young people will suffer. You just don't know how much. But suffering will come. It will come like it comes for all of us. But the word, I believe, is pretty clear that patience is produced through suffering. This beautiful attribute is produced through the ugliness of suffering. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice. Listen to how Paul's speaking. We rejoice in our suffering. That's not the first thing we do, do we? Start dancing. Oh, look at the opposition I'm going through. I just love it at work. I rejoice in the Lord always at how people have treated me so badly. That's not the first response, is it? 
But here, Paul still writes we, that we also rejoice in suffering, and here's why. Here's the reason why when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our heart. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, produces patience. Perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And I think that's very important right there. There's two of these purpose clauses because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He's poured out his love already in us. So that as we go through suffering, that Holy Spirit who loves us and who speaks of the love of the Father and the Spirit to us, through that creates in that crucible of suffering, that heat of suffering, he creates patience. In fact, how many of you have suffered and became more sympathetic or empathetic to others? You, were, you became a little less harsh after the suffering. Suffering has a way of doing that, doesn't it? It's a good thing in the life of the believers. It's something we should rejoice in because what it produces, the fruit that it produces in the life of a believer. And that suffering ultimately produces hope. Hope in who? Hope in Christ, the lover of our souls. Now, although hope or patience is supernaturally giving, and that patience is produced through suffering, we also see in God's word that patience is commanded. We see that in Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Seems like a pretty happy command, doesn't it? I mean, think of that. It's all, it's all happy here. Joyful in hope. That's great. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. And then, from the pen of James, James chapter 5, verse 7, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. James is clearly speaking to the church that they need to be patient. And it appears patient in suffering, but also patient with each other. Because there's some problems in the church. As there's problems in every church and in every family. How many of us have a hard time being patient with those in our family circle? But here clearly James commands that we be patient. Or should we say that the Holy Spirit commands that we should be patient and don't grumble against each other, against our brothers and sisters in Christ? And there is a warning, isn't there? You will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So clearly patience is commanded in the life of every single believer. 
but at the same time, patience is supernaturally given. And patience is a fruit of love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we find a church that uh, is not known for their love of each other or their patience with each other. And that's why the Apostle Paul writes in Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. And then in verse 7, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Always always perseveringly patient. Sounds like a beautiful fruit for, for relationships, doesn't it? This fruit of patience that Paul speaks of, which really is a manifestation of love. And in fact, you can call that love the first fruit of the Spirit in Galatian chapter 5 verse 22 that love is a summary of all the others the other eight there's nine and then the other eight are all love and patience clearly we see is an expression of love or fruit a fruit of love in a believer's life and that fruit in a believer's life of course must be exhibited in the life of ministers. The Apostle Paul, instructing his spiritual son, we talked about his spiritual son this morning, Timothy, he says this, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You know, this would be really good for all seminarians who are coming to ministry to tell themselves again, great patience, great patience, great patience, because you get, know what? People don't change very fast. I've got some ministers here. I can see them. People don't change very fast, do they? In fact, this is just simple wisdom, and it's the simple way of the Christian life. We need to be patient, and sometimes pastors, us pastors, aren't very patient. But the Word of God says, I must be. Teach the Word again in season and out of season. Keep preaching, keep teaching with all patience. That's a good reminder. It's good to hear God's corrections, as we spoke about this morning. Here we hear about this and how important on this installation Sunday that we hear that patience is called for in ministry. So for us elders and for us deacons, how important is this fruit to be manifest in our leadership here at Second? My prayer for that is, O Holy Spirit, help. Help me, help us as deacons and as elders. Of course, the great example of patience that we have is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Or consider him who patiently endured such opposition from sinful man, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus was so patient, wasn't he, with his disciples. They said some of the, the dumbest stuff ever. Sort of like we do. And how patient was he again and again? And how patient was he with those that wanted to hurt him? In fact, opposed him and were plotting to murder him, and yet he was still eating in their homes. Patiently enduring opposition. And that example is there for our instruction and for our encouragement. Because the one that patiently endured such opposition is present with us, his people, isn't he? We have his spirit, the spirit of Christ in us. He's present with us. So we should not shrink from these oppositions in this cultural moment. But we should patiently endure with people who do not agree with us and would like to cancel us. I'm now speaking about the world. There's many that would love to cancel us, but the church, we can't use the mechanisms and the means of the world. We must patiently endure in the power of the Spirit and continue to speak the very word of God again and again and again and again with patience trusting in what he can do, but not passively. We're acting, aren't we? But we're not acting in the power and the strength of physical muscles or rhetorical abilities or writing abilities or legislation. We fight by the power of the Spirit, patiently enduring whatever opposition comes our way. In the Apostle Paul's ministry, you see opposition, and he patiently endured again, and again, and of course, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we see the same. We see the same in the prophets and in Job. The Old Testament saints, they too patiently endured, didn't they? It's a beautiful attribute, really, to patiently endure opposition. Because what does that declare in you, sister? What does that declare in you, brother? That you trust him that you trust Jesus, that you trust the author and perfecter of your faith, that you believe that his power is sufficient to endure all opposition, and not in our own power, but in his power. I know one thing about myself, about this fruit. I need to be praying for it crucifying my sinful flesh, right? I've been crucified with Christ. 
and keeping in step with the Spirit. And what I know about the Holy Spirit is he's generous, isn't he? He's a God who wants to give good gifts to his children. And he wants to give you the good gift of patience. Maybe right now that what you see in your life is you, go, you don't have it. You don't have it for your husband. You don't have it for your kids. You don't have it for your coworkers. You're irritated all the time. And Jesus is saying, come to me in the power of the Spirit. I'll give you patience. Come to me. Depend on me. Trust in me. I want to give you good gifts, and I want to make your cup full for your good, for others' good, and for my glory. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the fruit of the Spirit that's in us. Patience. All of us feel poverty. We, don't, we often don't see it in our lives. And oh, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us patience. Patience in the little things. Patience in the oppositions, the big things. But that beautiful attribute of God himself would be seen in us. And that you would apply it generously, O oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that you would be glorified in us. Amen. Oh, people.